Thank you for tuning in to the Highest Praise Church podcast. For more information about Highest Praise Church, please visit highestpraisechurch.com. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Sherwood Lancaster. How many is on your way to heaven? You know it. How many people's making the devil mad already this morning? It's 1121. Good group, man. Make sure I got the right people here. Well, we've been talking about apostasy. Um, and that's, that's the word you said, wow, he hit the ground running. But yeah, we just started just really a couple weeks ago just because of the, of the um, well, what I, I define as craziness going on in the world today. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's what the world does. People that's lost and undone without God are bent towards death and bent towards separation from God. And so, um, obviously, uh, uh, in the school of theology, there's a word called apostasy. And the word apostasy literally means a falling away, a falling away. How many can uh, testify now just by what you've experienced that, that America is experiencing a, a great falling away? Um, it's, it's happening. And, uh, and But the Bible says it was going to happen, and so it is happening. And so, uh, I want you to turn your Bibles to 1 Kings, uh, 1 Kings chapter number 8, and we're going to deal with that. We've been dealing with it um, since the end of last month. We're going to deal with it for uh, a couple, couple more weeks, I think, uh, just, to, just to deal with it. Um, I, I'm, I'm not talking about from a, from a standpoint of uh, a theological belief system. There's an entire denomination that was built and separated and everything else based on the fact of whether or not someone can fall away from the faith and all this kind of stuff. That's not my whole point. My whole point is, is really behind more of a spirit of apostasy, a spirit of falling away, which, which still goes all down the same, the same road, but still it's a, it's a falling away. And it, it's, it's, it's nothing to fear. It's something to be aware of. I understand that. Everybody wants to take things in the Bible and they want to be fearful of and, and, and separate themselves from. But everything is there for us to be aware. God is such a good God. He tells us stuff that we can be aware of. And so I'm going to go over some words, do some things. But I'm going to go to 1 Kings. I like 1 Kings um, chapter number 8. Um, I love this story. It's the end of a story um, after the, the ark being brought into the temple. And 1 Kings chapter number 8 and um, verse number... Well, I'm going to go to verse number 65. And uh, Solomon at that time held a feast, and all of Israel with him, a great assembly from the entrance, from the entrance um, of Hamath to the brook of Egypt, before the Lord our God, seven days and seven more days, 14 days. 14 days these juckers have been at church. I mean, I know sometimes I get long-winded, but 14 days, come on, people, that's, don't have that bad. 14 days. Anyway, there's a celebration going on, the ark being built, um, the, the temple being built, and the ark coming in, all kinds of things happening. But on the eighth day, actually it's the eighth day of the month, on the eighth day, he's, after the 14 days, which happened to be on the eighth day, he sent the people away. Solomon sent the people away. Now, I don't know about you, but if we locked the doors and left y'all in here for 14, 14 days, I don't know what kind of the mood y'all be in, but it might not be the way I'm getting ready to describe here. But the Bible says after that, 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 Solomon, he, he, he blessed the king, and the king blessed him, and went, went to their tents, joyful and glad of heart for all the good that the Lord had done for his servant. I love it because they went to church, and they left, and headed back to their homes, joyful and glad of heart for all the good things done. I just think when people come to church, they should leave different than they came. 
Amen. If, if you hadn't even, I mean, if you, if you went through a car wash and your car was just as dirty, if not dirty, than the way you left, you'd be like, I, I shouldn't even came. But it, a lot of times, it's the way it is we come to church. So we want to, I, I think it's very important. It's very important. We, one thing that we teach right here, you know, you don't, we don't get, there, there's no need to be amazed when sinners act like sinners. That's what sinners do. They sin. They act like sinners. Um, what we need to be amazed about is whenever Christians act like sinners, not like the rest of the world. That, that's what shouldn't happen. And a lot of times we get to that place. I'm going to bring up on the word apostasy because the word apostasy is defined as falling away, a defection, withdrawal, turn away from what one always had to. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a progression. One thing the Bible says that the end is going to grow worse and worse, and then Jesus is coming. How I many know that's, that's also happening? But in the world, that's the world. But I'm talking about the church. How I many knows the church is still alive and well? That the church of Jesus Christ is here. And there's a reason why God has us here. There's a purpose uh, for God to have us here. And that is to be the salt. That is to be the light. Uh, but there are some things here that we want to look at and uh, we want to break down because our, our garden doesn't get covered with weeds overnight. Uh, things don't fall off, doors don't fall off of hinges overnight. Things become neglected. Things become neglected. So there's some things that I want to pass a little bit today and tell you some things that we're watching and the things as, you, as I tell you a while ago we want to be aware of and watch. So the battle of regression. Regression is, is, a, is, is a form of apostasy. Regression is to go backwards. Regression is to, is to go in the other direction, which we do not want to do. So the word regression is to regress in the human personality is to go backwards in spirit and force and power. How many knows that we don't need to go backwards in spiritual force and spiritual power? If anything, we need more God. We need more word. We need more of it, more of his presence. The human being is built for everybody in here, uh, whether we're talking about spiritually or whether we're just talking about ourselves. We're built for progress. We're built for advancement. And we're built for understanding. Everything about us is built for progress. Everything about us is built for advancement. Everything about us is built for understanding. Whenever we go in reverse, then that means negative forces are at hand. That the enemy is at work whenever we're not advancing, whenever we're not understanding, whenever we're not being progressive. There's things that are happening. We're kind of like boats. Boats, whenever they're built, they're, they, they look pretty. They sit in harbors and are tied to their docks. They're tied to their boat slips. No matter how big they are, no matter how small they are. But if a storm comes up, be honest with you, you're better off if that boat is let go and, and out into the deep. Because they're not designed, they're not, they wasn't built to sit in the harbor. They weren't built to be tied to a dock. They're built to survive water. They're built to survive waves. They're built to, to float. They're built to do these things. And most of us, especially Christians, we're not careful. We think that we're doing okay because we're tied to a pew or we're tied to a church. Or we're tied to this is the way we are and we're not going to get any better. But that's not what God has designed for you to do. God has designed every person. God has designed every church, every pastor, every teacher, every parent, every child to be progressive, to be full of advancement, to be full of understanding. And to do anything else, to do anything else, to do those three things and going forward, then we're going to find ourselves in a spirit of regression, of going back, going backward. There's only two kingdoms. There's only two kingdoms. There's a lot of craziness out there in the world today, but there's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of this God, and there's the kingdom of this world. The devil is the king or the God, the little God of this world. And we know that Jesus is the God. He's the head over the kingdom of God. 
You say, well, I'm not part of any one of them. I don't particularly go to church that often. I sure don't go to a satanic church. It doesn't matter. Either you're serving God or you're serving the devil. You hear what he just said? Did y'all hear what he just said? He said, you're either serving God or you're serving the devil because there's no in-between. There's no in-between. And that's it. And so if you're on God's side and the enemy is trying to pull you over, over to his side, he's trying to get you regressed. The same way if you're on the devil's side, God is good. He's trying to pull you over to his side. Amen. And so we always battling the, we always are battling the battle of regression. One of the things that begins the regression, which is a form of apostasy, is repression. Is repression. This is the thing that we have to we have to watch. Repression. To repress a person is to destroy the natural expression that God gave them when they were born. I want you, everybody under the sound of my voice, if you're here, if you're watching, listening, whenever, wherever you are, however you're doing it, I want you to understand that everybody under the sound of my voice are expressionists. God created you to be expressionist, to put off expression. The day you were born in the hospital, the doctor whipped you out, grabbed you probably by the ankles. I know you probably don't remember it, but it was a pretty traumatic experience. And there you are. You didn't say a word. He took his hand and popped you on your end. What is he trying to do? He's trying to get that baby to express and if that baby lets out a squeal, lets out a holler, let out a scream, if he expresses something, then the doctor skins into the nurses, okay, it's good. If he pops them on his bottom and nothing comes out, he pops them again as nothing comes out. If they cannot get the baby to express, then they will begin the process of pronouncing him dead. And that's what happens to Christians. I'm going to go spiritual here. That's what happens to us. We begin that regression before, and we think, well, we're not serving God like we used to. We're not putting God first like we used to. His word ain't as important as it used to. We see all these directions we're going to, and then we find ourselves in a repressed state. In that repressed state, we had no idea what we used to, what we used to respond to. We don't respond anymore, and we come to church, and we don't respond anymore. What used to be a big deal is not a big deal to us anymore, and it's a spirit of repression. Because God has created us, us all to express. Whether it's something, if it's a team that we like or a team we don't like. If it's a food we love, it's a food we don't love. If it's somebody we're glad to see, somebody we're not glad to see, we're going to have an expression. But never we're talking about spiritual things. I think it's very important when we come into the house of God, we come into his, into his presence, is that to, to, to just, just express how we really feel about God and express the things that God has done for us. The word expression by definition is, expression is defined as the process of making known one's thoughts and feelings. It's to make known one's thoughts and one's feelings I mean if you're not I don't know but I hate to know by how I'm expressing during worship how I'm expressing during praise that I am actually expressing or defining the what how much God really what I really think about him and what it is that I really feel about him our expression has to do with what we think and what we feel and so that's what David said. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. Why? Because we're expressionists and we express our love for God and we, we express our desire for God and we express how much he cares for us. There are, to, 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 not, be, to not be expressive means we're being repressive. There are repressive regions. 
You can go in regions. I, I've, I've been all over the place. I've been in regions that is very repressive, very repressive. You can go to, there, there's homes that are repressive. People walk around on, we obviously been in ministry. We, we counsel people and do marriage counseling and, and, and relationship counseling and see things happen. And there's homes that are very repressive to push you down, to hold you down, to, to, to not show any kind of expression. Walk around on eggshells because that person in that home might be, might be, might be repressive, might be someone who, who suppresses you down. You can go on your job. You might work. Your boss, your boss, your supervisor might be that repression. I mean, you know that churches can be repressive. There's churches that are repressive. You come in, boy, if you, if you shout the way you were shouting a while ago, whenever we're singing those songs, somebody's going to usher you out because you don't want you to be expressive. What's wrong with you people? Well, you have to understand something. We have to understand that I'm in the process of making known my thoughts and feelings towards God. Well, I don't understand how you people got to stand so long. We're not standing. We're worshiping. If you come to church to stand, if your church stands and you're visiting here, come find you another church. I'm sorry, and I apologize to the pastor, but I'm here to tell you, we're not standing. We're worshiping. And if my expression of worship offends you, then get over it. My thoughts and feelings are not towards you. My thoughts and feelings are toward God. Come on, somebody. Well, they just stand too long. I don't know why they stand so long. I don't know why all this begins to happen. We're not. We're worshiping. Church, we have to find ways to try to turn this thing out. How are we going to stop? How are we going to transition? Because we want to continue to express Because God loves expression. He loves for us to express. He loves for us to release things and and do what it is that he has created us to do and be who it is that he has created us to be. We should walk around and we're we're, we're so full of the things of God. God loves for our eyes to talk. He loves for life to come out of our bodies. Come on, church. Come to church and people can tell. We got people at the doors. We got people parking cars. We got people in the nurseries. We got people on this stage. You know what we're looking for? I mean, yeah, I want you to sing. I want you to be able to play. I want you to be able to keep kids do these things. But I want, I want your eyes to be talking about the love of God. I want expression to become out of that. And God loves that because God has created us to be expressive. The devil doesn't like that. He doesn't like for you to worship in church and he sure wants you to get up on Monday morning and give him praise and honor and glory to him. He's always trying to, to calm us down. He's always, and the thing we have to understand, one who represses all his inner feelings becomes a walking dead man. Well, I just don't know if I'm going, I just don't want to do that today. I just, and let me go ahead and stop and tell you. I'm not talking about a process that you're sin or something's wrong with you if you don't live like this every day. But I am here to tell you, this battle that I'm talking about here today is the biggest fight of your faith that you'll ever have. Because the enemy can get you to go backwards. He's got something. And every day, no, I don't feel like, even on every Sunday, I don't, get a, I don't feel like getting up here. Maybe I've had a tough week. Maybe some things didn't go the way I wanted. Maybe, maybe some thoughts are coming to my mind. Whatever, but the enemy, he's not going to let me go along and let me, leave me alone just because I'm in the pulpit today. Sometimes you've got to bless the Lord anyway. 
Sometimes you got to realize, you know what, whether we didn't get this or that's not happening, this isn't going my way, and maybe I fell short this way, and maybe that way, and maybe I did that 20 years ago, whatever it happened, I still have to understand that I'm supposed to be expressive. God is still God. He is still on the throne. No matter what the doctor said, no matter what the banker said, even if I didn't get the job, if I didn't get the house, if I didn't get the boat, if I didn't get the girl, it doesn't matter. I will express all the times who God is, and the devil don't like it. He's always trying to push that thing back. And that's what repression is. The next word is suppression. Because when we find ourselves in a regression, we, we find now these are not always going to go in order, but you will be aware that this is happening to me. I mean, you might not even realize you're regressing. You might not even realize that, that you're being repressed until you hit and you realize, wait a minute, I'm battling with suppression. With suppression, with repression, it has to do with restraining and holding back the natural expression of life. What used to make you happy just don't make you happy anymore. Because things can't give you joy. you got happiness in things, but happy knows it's going to change. Joy comes from the Lord. And so you see that, and the enemy begins to deal with that. But that's what repression is. With suppression, we have the concealment or the greater pressure moving against the victorious life of a Christian. How many of us are Christian? We are victorious. You're not going to be victorious. You are victorious. The fact that you are a Christian, the word Christian means Christ-like. The whole thing about Christians, when it all began, it wasn't a denomination, it wasn't a man. It began in the very beginning. There are Christians, these Christians, 2,000 years ago. What are we going to do with these Christians? We, we killed him. We killed the Christ. Where is he at? And now we've got all these Christ-like people running around and became Christians. And if we're Christ-like, one, one of the benefits and one of the, one of the characteristics of a Christian or the main characteristic of a Christian is that we are victorious. You get up every day, you are victorious. You go to bed, you are victorious. You're raising your children the way they should go. You are victorious. You come to church victorious. You leave victorious. You go to the doctor victorious. You leave victorious. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, you are victorious. And we are expressive in our victory. <laughs> and the enemy don't like it. And so he tries to suppress us. And so the battle to conceal you, to hold you back, I said it a while ago and said it again, is the greatest fight of faith that you'll ever have to fight. Oh, no, Pastor, I wish I was like you. I wish I was like them worship leaders. Maybe if I get on your worship team, then I, can, I won't have to fight this battle. Oh, contraire. <laughs> you don't know how much, fight you, how much faith you have until you're in a good fight. You better make sure there's a price there's a price to be paid. But it doesn't matter if you're singing from up here or if you're singing from the back row. It doesn't matter if you're reading the Bible from the pulpit or you're reading it from the middle row. It don't matter if it's Sunday or if it's Tuesday. It doesn't matter. The greatest fight that you have to fight is that fight, is that battle, is to make sure that you're not concealed. Because that's what he's trying to do. If he can conceal you. So the word concealed there in suppression is to put you in a box. And a lot of times as Christians, we think that we're doing good because our box is bigger than her box. Well, I'm messed up, but I ain't as messed up as she is. And you think you're doing good, but the bottom line is her box might be smaller than your box, but guess what? You're still in a box. 
And that box is suppression. And that box is concealing you. And you think that, okay, well, well, maybe it's not a box, but that means you have limits. And, and if it's a box, ain't but so far you can go, ain't but so much you can do. And the enemy loves keeping us in a box. You can worship God a certain way, up to a certain limit, up to a certain expression. Oh, I'll, he'll give you this today just to make you think. But then he'll remind you who he says you are. He'll remind you exactly everything that you have done and where you're, where you're at. We have bigger boxes, but we're still in boxes. The odds have always been against the righteous, and the odds will always be against the righteous. Did you hear what I just said? The odds have always been against the righteous. Why is that? Because we're not of this world, but we are in this world. Let me pastor you for a second. Righteous means we're in right standing with God. If we're in right standing with God, then that means we're not in right standing with the devil. Hmm? And we're in right standing with God, not because of who we are and what we've done. We're in right standing with God because of who he is and what he has done. You say, well, I can't be righteous because I'm not innocent. Let me go ahead and tell you that it's not innocence that gets you to heaven. It's the righteousness of God that gets you to heaven. I used a while ago, it come to, my, come to my spirit about Adam. Adam lived with God, I believe, for millions of years. When God created heaven and earth and day and went through the whole thing, and in six days on the seventh day, he, 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 they rested. I don't believe on the eighth day that they, they committed that sin. I believe it took tens of thousands, not millions of years on this earth living and living. In, that's a whole, come back, that's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. But, but, he, but Adam lived and he, and he knew God. The Bible says he walked with God in the cool of the day. That means he knew him when the wind blew towards his way. He could sense that God was just around the corner. He knew the difference between a buffalo and a deer and, and God walking through the forest. Boy, he was sensitive to the things of God. But whenever the first temptation came his way, you know what he did? He fell into it. Want to know why? Because Adam was innocent, but Adam wasn't righteous. You don't know how righteous you are until you're tempted. You can't call Adam a righteous man. He was never tempted. It wasn't until the serpent came into the garden and took the fruit of the tree and gave to Eve, and she ate, then gave to her husband and said, oh, you're going to eat too. He says, okay, and he ate it too. First temptation. Found out that he was innocent, but he wasn't righteous. We're finding out now that we need the righteousness of God because it's the odds are against us leaving this house, saying we're going to be victorious, leaving this house, saying we're going to be righteous. And before we get to the stop sign, before we get down to the stop line, the enemy's throwing temptations at us. He's throwing things at us. And then we're going to realize pretty quick, I'm not innocent. I can easily fall into that trap. If not for the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus, which is upon my life. So my point is that, be honest with you, Vegas wouldn't give us a, 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 a good chance of making it with the righteousness of God because there's too many temptations. But I'm here to tell you right now, you cannot do it on your own. But I'm here to tell you, if you put on the righteousness of God every single day and you declare in your life, I will not regress, I will not repress, and I sure will not let the enemy suppress me, I will express the things of God. 
And those things that used to tempt you won't tempt you anymore. And you begin not only asking God for his righteousness, but begin to thank God every single day for your righteousness. Hallelujah. When the enemy comes against me like a flood, I don't square my shoulder and set my chin and say, yeah, I walked away from that. I stop and I humbly thank God for his righteousness. It's not because I was innocent. I didn't fall into that trap. It's because I'm righteous that I fall in that trap. And I'm here to tell you, it is a battle. Sometimes it is a struggle. But the battle doesn't belong to me. The battle belongs to him. And so we're expressionists. So we come to church and you'll worship. Boy, I just felt Holy Spirit just led me down this road. And so you come in here and you see a bunch of church people throwing their hands up and worshiping and praising in God and say, if the stars will, will honor you, then so will I. If, you know, if we just thank you for forgiveness and we, just, we, just, we will bless the Lord of all times and singing all these songs. It's not because we're innocent. It's because we're forgiveness. It's not because we're better. It's because we're righteous. And it's not because of who I am. It's because of who he is. And so I can't stand there like a dead man. I have to express. And the devil's saying, don't do it. I can't help but do it. I said, we can't help but do it. Where will we be without him? What will we end up being without him? Oh, but he, you see, see, God loves an expressionist. God loves for us to give us praise and honor and glory and the devil does not you know what you know what true true worship is you know what you know what the name of this church is highest praise you know what highest praise is when all that i am responds to who he is hear what i just said not when some of what i am when all that i am responds to who you are i'll give god my hand today I give, oh, that comes real good, so I give him a little two-hand flipped over like I'm holding up something today. Uh-uh. It's our highest praise when all that I am. Come on, church. All that I am. I mean, I like a, I, I like a good ball game, and I'll watch that, and I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I get involved with sports, but let my team be playing. All that I am. Y'all better get out of here. Jimmy, all that I am. All that I am responds, but this is not a ball game. This is eternity. Oh, this is about my soul. This is about your soul. This is about our children and our children's children. This is about the promises that God has for us. So I cannot be suppressed. I have to, with all that I am, responds to who you are. But what are they going to think? Who cares? They didn't think when you were going down, so don't worry about what they think when you're going up. They didn't respond when you sat there like God didn't do anything for you, so don't worry about what they think when you throw your hands up and tears come down from your eyes and you begin to shout and you begin to dance a little bit. The kingdom that's suppressing you is not of God. And the person that is trying to suppress you is not of God. I don't care if it's your husband. I don't care if it's your friend. I don't care if it's your pastor. I don't care if it's your denomination. It is not of God. It's of the devil. We will not be suppressed. 
David, boy, I got y'all, calm down, you expressionists. <laughs> See, David was a shepherd boy on the outside. He, and Samuel came looking at a king. And he won't even pick to show it to be picked. We get mad because we don't get picked. My brother didn't get picked to show up to be picked. And, and David, on the inside was one thing, but on the outside he was something else. We need to remember, if you're carrying anything for God, the devil will do everything he can to stop you. He cannot do anything about your past, so he will try to fight your promise. I'm here to tell everybody, not somebody, I'm here to tell everybody in this room. Everybody's watching right now, whenever, however, wherever. I'm here to tell you, everybody is carrying something for God. I know on the outside you look one way. But on the inside, there's something else. And the devil's not fighting you on the level of where you're on the outside. He's fighting you. The struggle is with the promise on the inside. So he tries to suppress you. Tries to keep you down. Pharaoh says, man, I got to keep these crazy Israelites down. I got to keep them suppressed. I got to keep them building bricks, making bricks and building walls. Because if it gets out it gets out to who they really are they're going to be a mess to deal with and that's what the devil's telling some of you I got to keep you suppressed I got to keep back your memory I got to keep you reminded I got I see see he he can control your past your past he can he can play it back but your future your future is fear he fears your future he can't do nothing about your past he can replay it but he's scared he's petrified over your future and he, if I can keep them suppressed, if I can keep them slaves, if I can keep them in a box, if I can keep them from shouting and praising and realizing, if they can understand that they've been set free, if they can realize that God has forgiven them, and not only does he forgive, so we got to understand forgiveness. Forgiveness is not just forgiveness. Forgiveness with God is forgiveness and forget. Not only does he forgive it, but he forgets about it. What kind of person is that? Y'all had to pray for me because if you do me wrong, I'll forgive you. But I'm going to say, I ain't forgetting it today. <laughs> give, me a, give me a minute. I'm going to check with the office when you come back with me. It might take me a couple minutes. Not God. Forgiveness means forgetfulness. As far as the east is from the west, they're forgotten. I said they're forgotten. And the devil don't want you to know that. He don't want you. See, some of us, we think that we're VIP sinners. Very important sinners. God can't forgive me because I'm a very important sinner. Preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. Who or whose I've been sleeping with and what. I've been drinking and just lying and cheating and still... I'm a VIP center. I'm here to tell you, there are no VIP centers. There's no very important centers to the point that a very important person named Jesus can't reach you. 
The only thing very important about you is the fact that his blood is sufficient for you. So the devil is a liar. Don't make you think you in some kind of VIP category that the cross of Jesus Christ cannot reach you. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter who you've done it with and where you did it at, he can forgive you today. And we will not be suppressed. Amen? So we got to battle this suppression. we got to battle this suppression. Because the enemy, he'll throw everything he has. The last one I want to deal with, I, I dealt with regression. I dealt with repression. I dealt with suppression. The last one, and I'm going to say this word. And I know it's going to go all over the place, but I want you to listen to me. It's depression. I understand there's clinical depression, medical depression. But let me tell you something. There's spiritual depression. And from a standpoint of where I believe that the enemy is hovering over the church, keep us regress, keep us repressing, keep us suppression. And we don't even realize that the church of Jesus Christ has become depressed. Go listen to this. In depression, there is a broken spirit. One is pressed down until the spirit is crushed. Depression would take advantage of people in that state of mind and moves with conflict and confusion that would destroy their happiness, their homes, their businesses, everything. Depression would destroy every part of your life. I've been to churches. Just, it's like a spirit of just depression. Well, let me tell you something. We, you don't, I've seen Christians. It's not a sin. It's a battle. And it might not go through the same one, two, three, four order. But let me tell you something. These four things are at play. And before we know it, we're crushed. We ain't worried about trying to express how good God is. We're just trying to make it a church. We're just trying to give up enough faith to believe for our children still. I mean, I don't have to be like I used to be on top of the mountain. I just want to feel saved again. We feel crushed. We feel cast down. David said in Psalm 42, Why are you cast down, O oh my soul? David, the same one was a shepherd boy, now he's a king. Boy, he'd been through some stuff, didn't he? Just when he thought he had it working out, it slipped and fell again. He was a shepherd. Remember, I told you, he was a shepherd boy before he was a king. And so he says, and Psalm 42 and 11, why are you cast down, soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for yet I shall praise him, the help of my countenance in my God. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is with me. Come on, soul. Bless the Lord. What's he doing? All these songs are David trying to get himself out of this cast down moment that he is. Why is he using the word cast down? Because he's a shepherd. To a shepherd, to us, it's not cast down, he's down. To a cast down, to a shepherd means a cast down sheep. Now, a, sh a shepherd, he's watching over his flock by night and he's looking around and he sees all the sheep and most of the sheep 
as in here today, most of you are, are fat and happy, not literally, but hopefully spiritually. Then you know what I'm saying. And he's looking over, everybody seems to be doing good and everything great. But he notices something missing. And he starts looking for that cast down sheep because the cast down sheep is a sheep that has wandered away. And when he wanders away, he gets on territory or landscape that, that the shepherd didn't have him in. It was a little rocky. It was unstable. Maybe he stepped on some gravel that wasn't solid, and he slipped, and he fell. And a sheep, when he falls over on his back, dude can't get up. And so the shepherd is always looking to see if one of his sheep has left the flock, has regressed, and if they're cast down. Because not only is the shepherd looking, the vultures are looking. The vultures are looking. The wolfes are looking. Everybody's looking. They're looking. And that sheep lays down long enough fluid begin to swell into his lungs and he'll suffocate and he'll become a prey to the enemy and sometimes that's how we feel we we begin to regress in God we begin to repress and well I, I don't want to praise I, I'm just not that emotional we become suppressive we we forget we're no longer expressionist and life is not coming out of our eyes and and joy is not coming through our bodies and we just and before we know it we become cast down away then David says this the Lord is my shepherd the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want he making me to lie down in green pastures he leaves me beside the he restores my soul why does your soul need he's talking about the sheep to the shepherd Sometimes, church, we need our soul to be restored. And he restores my soul. What does that mean? Well, it means what John 15 says. It means, I mean, sorry, Luke 15 and 4. It means that he'll leave the 99 and go get the one. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful of all the times he had to leave the 99 to go get me. Oh, pastor, you confessing sin today? Are you being lost? I mean, you going to fornicate? You done this year? No, sometimes my soul just gets cast down. I didn't plan it. I just began to regress a little bit. Just began to be a little repressive. And maybe what used to give me joy and hope don't do it anymore. And, and the life that used to come out of me, it just isn't coming. See, remember the devil. The devil hates expression. God loves it. Boy, if he can keep you quiet and walk around like a dead man, if he can keep things locked up on the inside of you, it's the beginning of the process of taking you out. Yeah, but I'm a Christian. I ain't, say, I, I, I ain't even talking about that. I ain't talking about whether or not you're going to heaven or hell. I'm just talking about you're not. You're not an adversary against him on this earth. See, if he can get everybody, every church in America to be depressed, then there'll be nothing to restrain him in what he wants to do. Oh, go ahead. 
Okay, whatever they do with abortion. Okay, whatever. Whoever, marry who you want to, how many you want to, whatever. Okay, take her and him out, call them thee and them. Okay, whatever. We don't care. Because see, that's what happens. What used to matter doesn't matter anymore. Don't tell me it's not a spirit that's invading your church. Revival is. Revival is. It's not just when we have a bunch of servers and you bring somebody in. Revival is. It matters to us again. It matters whether or not God is getting the glory. It matters whether or not he's getting the praise. It matters whether or not we get it in here. Because if we don't get it in here, they sure can't get it out there. Once it's a big deal for us. You know what needs to matter? Hell. Hell needs to matter. People are dying and going to hell. People are not going to heaven. If they're not going to heaven, they're going to hell. If you don't have eternal life, then that means you've got eternal death. It should matter. No. My church is good. I'm good. I'm good. Jesus is looking. He's looking. And the shepherd will go and he'll find that sheep. And there might be a couple of vultures. There might be a there might be a might be a cow over there. And he'll take that staff and he'll run them away. He'll run them away. And he'll go to that sheep. And he'll turn him over. Back on his feet. Have you ever just wanted to be put back on your feet? Come on, church. Have you? I, I, I'm not talking about you want to pray in tongues. I'm not talking about you want to lay hands on the sick. I'm not talking about you want to get back to where you were. You just, let's just start with getting me back on my feet again, God. Because if I can just get, if I can get some traction, if I can get some stability, if I just get back, I'm here to tell you, he's right there with you. I understand. I understand. I need, we're going to get you back on your feet there, Lancaster. We're going to get you back up. There you are. Now, now we got you. Sometimes it's easy to pray, God, let me get on my feet. And the Bible says he leaves the 99 and he goes against the one. How many has he ever tried to come again? How many has ever needed just to get me back on his feet again? Come on, everybody stand. This is praising right now. Come on, can we thank him this morning? Oh, can we thank him this morning? Hey, guess what? Let me tell you something. You know what he does? He doesn't just get you on your feet. Remember, you've regressed. You're away from the sheepfold. He don't just put you back on your feet. You know what he does? He picks you up. He never leaves you where he finds you. And he takes you back. And he puts you back in the sheepfold. Guess what? He didn't run you away. The enemy didn't come in and get you. You walked away on your own accord. And because you walked away and you had your eyes on something else, you stumbled, you fell, and you became cast down. He doesn't care. He still comes looking at you. And when he looks you, if he's looking for you, he's going to find you. And when he finds you, he picks you up. He don't just pick you up. He puts you on your feet. And he don't leave you where he found you. He picks you up and he moves you back into the sheepfold. I'm here to tell somebody this morning. Allow God to pick you up this morning and bring you back. Amen. Into that sheepfold. Come on. You want to know what? Everything we talked about today. Everybody listen to me now. It's the most important part. But here's where we're going. Regression. Somebody here is, is fighting regression. We, we do it all the time. But we're going forward. We're going backwards with God. Repression. 
just, just kind of losing it, man. Not as expressive as I used to be. It don't have to just be in church. It can be on your job. It can be about your home. It can be about your family. It can be about things that used to matter that don't matter anymore. Suppression. Oh, now he's concealing you. You'll never be what it is that God said you're going to be. I'm going to keep you in a box. You find yourself cast down. I'm still coming to church. I'm still praying, but I'm just cast down. You know what we need? I ain't talking about the world. I'm talking about church. You know what we need? We need deliverance. God is a deliverer. Another 30 minutes. I'm gonna go right here. God is a deliverer. If you don't believe me, there's two million Israelites that was cast down, that was concealed in Egypt. But guess what? God delivered them out of them all. Many, 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 many of the afflictions of the righteous. But guess what? God delivers them from them all. You know what you need? You know what we need today? We need to ask God for deliverance. God, deliver me from the spirit of regression. God, deliver me from the spirit of repression, God. Deliver me, God, from the spirit of, of suppression, God. Deliver me, God, from that depression and cast down spirit, Lord. And guess what? He is a deliverer and He will deliver your soul today and you'll leave here different than the way you came in. We hope you enjoyed this message from our weekend experience. If you want to partner with us as we see lives changed and God's kingdom advanced, you can donate through our website, highestpriestchurch.com. And if you would like to stay up to date with all that God is doing here, be sure to follow us on Instagram at highest.praisechurch and like us on Facebook at Highest Praise Church. We can't wait to see you soon.